And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Serpents and spiders, tail of a rat, call in the spirits wherever they're at. Rap on a table. It's time to respond. Send us a message from somewhere beyond. Horn toads and lizards, fiddle and strum. Please answer the roll by beating a drum. Goblins and ghoulies from last Halloween. Awaken the spirits with your tambourine. Creepies and crawlies, toads in a pond. Let there be music from regions beyond. Harpies and furies, old friends and new, blow on a horn so we'll know that it's you. Wizards and witches, wherever you dwell, give us a hint by ringing a bell. This is Bonus Material Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 197. Uh, we have a, an awesome guest. Yeah, buddy. we do have an awesome guest today. This guy is a visual effects artist, animator, director. Please welcome... Webster Colcord. Yay! Yay! Welcome, sir. Thanks, guys. I, I hope I live up to the awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I know you, we all pulled this together at the last minute. I re- really appreciate you carving out the time. Yeah, this is really cool. We had a guest lined up for this weekend, and and as things you know do, something happened, and he had to drop out. And it it kind of coincided with an event that happened this last week. Um, and that's that's not all we're going to talk about with Webster today, but. The the genesis of it was that Will Vinton passed away. Yes. Um, and, and you worked with Will, yeah? Yes, I worked with Will from uh, starting in 87 uh, for about uh, three years straight and then uh, another three years uh, freelance. So, yeah. Oh, right on. Right. Right on. Um, I, I want to get to all of that in a second. What I want to do, as is our usual around here, is I want to get to know you first. And that is like... Uh, were you a kind of growing up? Were you a monster kid? Totally, yeah. I um, I never got to uh, go to uh, Forey Ackerman's house. I <sighs> got close, but uh, and I have to get to Bob Burns because Bob, uh, you know, I uh, I've been corresponding with Bob for a while now. But uh, yeah, I was totally that kid. I read uh, you know Starlog, but I really read Cinemagic magazine. That was my favorite. You Dude. know, wrote to Don Dohler when I was older. Had a couple of letters published in. Cinemagic had a. I may have had something published in Fangoria. Anyway, yeah, I was totally a monster kid. Absolutely, up in Oregon, actually. Uh, whereabouts in Oregon? Eugene, Oregon. And did you have a monster uh, horror host up there? We had um, KOCY TV had a guy, but he wasn't dressed up in costume. But he would do. I remember one night he showed a Harryhausen film, and he 
had an armature there, um, oh, nice. and I don't. I still wonder where that came from. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, we wait. didn't have a horror host, but we did have. Uh, uh, and my my father grew up in San Mateo, so I would come down to uh, the Bay Area at least once a year to visit my grandparents, and we would watch Creature Features. Mm, yeah. And then. Captain Cosmic was on cable up in uh, Eugene, which and we didn't have cable. We lived out in the sticks, but um, my grandmother had cable, so I would try to catch Ultraman, you know, and see Captain Cosmic. And I did actually. We had in the seventies there was a Comic Con or a Star Trek convention in Eugene at the fairgrounds. I think it was the only one they ever had in that in that era. And George Takei was there, and so was uh, Bob Wilkins, and I got to meet them both. Oh, dude. Bob's yeah. a big hero was, of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yep, a big, big yep. hero of mine. Um, you get down here, you should go to the uh, Psychotronic Film Festival, which is uh, a oh, little well, benefit thing. Well, I, I grew up in San Jose, so if, if I... There you go. So we're... we're you, I probably walked through your neighborhood. Tom, Tom has, has mentioned many times that Bob Wilkins was kind of... Dad point two. Yeah, he was the guy. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. The, he was totally the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, some of his old films from the the station have have um, you know gone to a couple of collectors. One of whom is uh, Bob Ekman or Sci Fi Bob, and he puts on this show called the Psychotronic Film Festival. And and every show he pulls out at least one reel of an interview that Bob Wilkins wow. conducted, and they're you know camera originals. Um, so it's really amazing. You're seeing the film that was in the room. He showed one of Bob Wilkins interviewing William Shatner a while back. That was just well, amazing to see it. You know. Back when, oh geez, it would have been it would have been in the '90s. I interviewed Bob, and and Bob sent me five or six VHS tapes, just of just oh, all yeah. of all this weird creature feature stuff, including like the last episode and. And all this other stuff that was very very cool. Were you a tinker, or were you a like was were you like a computer kid? Were you a? I'm trying to get a handle on you growing up and what led you to. I'll, admittedly, what I'm looking at is a pretty fucking impressive resume. <laughs> well, um, I was the movie kid. You know, I read Cinemagic and I lived for that magazine. I made a Super 8 movie in high school, and we were the. Of course, I was one of the. A, I was the AV kid. I was one of the AV kids. And um, so I spent a lot of time in the AV lab, uh, I mean, all my time there, as much as I could. You know, we were getting into video. Uh, I wanted to shoot film, so I shot a lot of regular 8 and Super 8 in high school and made up, you know, Super 8 uh, 20-minute, you know, ridiculous action-adventure road warrior spoof when I was in um, my last year of high school. <laughs> I love and, seeing And that's people. still out there. I love seeing like, wait, wait. filmmakers' early films, you know, like their first Super 8s. I have oh, a definitely. Same pile of VHS. I have a Tom Renoni first. Uh, really? Yeah. Really Webster, is that, is that available on YouTube or someplace? It, it's totally available on my Vimeo. The YouTube version is, is kind of crap, but the, the Vimeo version is good. And I'm, I'm restoring it right now. I got the uh, Super 8 original scanned. But the funny thing is, somebody recently found one uh, and wrote to me on Facebook out of the blue, found one up in, I want to say it was like Battleground, Washington. They found one of the VHS boxes, and you know, there are these super avid VHS collectors. So he found the empty box, and he looked me up, and he said, have you got any tapes? And I did. So I said, I because I used to mail it out to these, you know, people who would subscribe to these fanzines. 
you know, this is before the internet. So, uh, you know, a bunch of the tapes are out there. I sure. And, um, so this guy was seeking it out. And it's just funny that it's still sort of making the rounds. It's just this half hour or, you know, 20 minute ish ridiculous movie. It was like, made. This was in the days of like VHS tape trading, right? Like, right, yeah. Yeah, very cool. There's a lot of well, stuff that's lost. Yeah, it wasn't even trading. I mean, I used to, you know, you'd put stuff out on VHS, you know, like, and there was a whole sort of, you know, homebrew market, you know, and mine was shot on film and, and, but it was Super 8. I don't know. It was just something I put out there and there were, um, very cool. I don't know, a, a comparable thing might be there was a tape that a guy made called Apocalypse Pooh where it was, like Winnie the Pooh intercut with Apocalypse <laughs> Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, and that kind of made the rounds. Yeah, it's, it's in the early days when there were things like remember the Ernie Fosselius films, the uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Four and I know Ernie, and, uh, a bit, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking, well, of, he was a regular on Bob's show all the time. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. for one thing, at that time, <clears throat> you didn't have websites to show to show a reel. Mm-hmm. So what you. So what you do is you, you know, because it didn't cost anything to, like, throw something on a VHS tape and then send it to somebody. I remember getting a VHS tape from Mark Wolf, the, uh, uh, an animator originally from, from Iowa. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, and at the time, I lived in Iowa. I'm like, holy shit, like, where did you come from? It's like, and there was uh, there was a whole world out there that I didn't know existed. It, there's, it was huge. No, and, and uh, you know, speaking of the Vinton studio, so I used to, Will would get all kinds of tapes, and so I would um, go through and make copies of the tapes. So I have an Ernie Facilius demo reel from, like, 1991 or 1990 or something like that, which is really weird, you know, a lot of stuff on it. Wow. I, ju- I just remember, like, there was a weird thing in a grocery store that he did. <laughs> it was very odd. I don't know if that, that was on there. I don't yeah, know if that, that was on there. And I always get it confused. There's a Mike Nesmith thing that happens in a, <laughs> in a grocery store, too. But um, Fossilius, man, that was early days stuff. You know, yeah. just Super 8s and just grinding, man. That's so very, very well, he cool. Was shy, he was shooting in 16. He was a little bit, you know, he was a he's a very good, um, you know, he's technically a, a, you know, a really good cameraman and, and, and all that. Um so he he was a little bit uh, technically uh, a step above or two steps above at least. Right. And uh, you know his um, pork lips now is a, is a masterpiece. Oh, and yeah. he, pork he, lips. he seems like he was way ahead of the curve on the whole spoof thing. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was that his stuff, and then at the same time there was uh, Bambi meets Godzilla was right. was going around. Yeah. Yeah. around at the same time. Yeah. What school did, yeah. did you did you go to school for for your stuff, or were you, or are you? Well, I am not proud, but I am uh, pretty much uh, the the Vinton Studio was my college. Nice, my movie college. Hey, as colleges go, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah, ain't so bad. Yeah, wow. That's very cool. So, tell me about that. I mean, how did you get that gig? Was it a was it a thing where you went in and with a portfolio and and, or was it one of those I called him out of the blue and he said I happen to have an opening. No, actually, a lot of people did that over the years. They called, you know, called out of the blue, or we would constantly get, um, after the raisins, we would constantly get um, sculptures sent to the studio, and a lot of them were horrible. <laughs> uh, but people were always sending stuff. Um, but for me, I had worked uh, in high school as an, through my, uh, my high school um, uh, uh, 
AV teacher. Um, she was terrific, and she, Kathy Wiper, she hooked us up. She hooked me up with um, this local sort of sports video um, company, uh, sort of an industrial video company in my hometown, and I was um, interning with them for about a year. And so just, you know, in my spare time, I worked on a couple of video shoots and things like that. And I worked on a short film with a guy, who uh, John Logue, who was the cinematographer, and he ended up going up to Portland uh, with his partner, Ralph Little, uh, who they ter- together they had directed, a, or he was the cinematographer and Ralph had directed a movie called Atla, which was about George Atla, this um, sled dog racer from Alaska, Is that starring Slim Pickens. I don't think it's ever really gotten a big release, but it's a great movie. And uh, they were hired by Will to put together the Claymation Christmas special. And that was part of a deal. After the Raisins hit so big, they, the studio came up with a deal to do five specials for CBS. Um, and three of them had to have California Raisin in the title and have been featured the California Raisins. And the other two could be whatever they wanted, so to speak. So five specials, that was a big deal. And so the studio up to that point had been sort of the magic number for an animation studio, which was, you know, eight or nine really top-notch, talented people. And they were at about 12 really great people. And they had done all that work. They had done a feature, Adventures of Mark Twain. They had done all the amazing work on Return to Oz. They had done the Noid, and they had done the, uh, Domino, uh, the chicken for KFC and the egg commercials. But then the funny thing happened, you know, the raisin thing, which they didn't think was going to be a big deal. They were actually kind of embarrassed by the first raisin commercial. It hit huge. And so that changed, you know, the playing field for them. And so they put this deal together, and it was the first time the studio had really expanded. And they were more than doubling in size. They got a new building in Portland in addition to their old one and, uh, and brought in all, these, all this fresh young talent. And so you would have to do an audition sculpture to get in the door. So I had the connection, and I worked on this audition sculpture, got some uh, pointers from John, and, and I, got, uh, you know, I got in. And the deal was, uh, Will, I found out later, was kind of unsure about bringing on somebody so young because I was just 18. But he hired uh, myself, Kyle Bell, and one other guy, Joe Adams. Uh, all of us were about the same age. Kyle was actually younger than me, and... You know, he paid. The, the idea was they'd get like three interns for the price of one adult. You know, so uh, so yeah, I got yeah, in. Yeah. So when when you were, I <clears throat> well, I imagine this is happening very fast for you as a, as a young guy. Yeah. W- were you? I mean, at were you thinking I, I'm going to be Ray Harryhausen? I'm going to be, you know, uh, I don't know if Phil Tippett was on your radar yet, but. Was that what you were imagining, or were you just like, I'm just going, and I'm just, I'm doing, I'm working, and not really thinking about what you want to be and where you want to go? Well, you know, I I was one of like three guys, four guys in my high school who were really into movies. One of them ended up going to L.A. and directing a feature. Uh, One of them, uh, Fawn Davis, I still know really well, and he's, uh, act, you know, he's uh, friends with the Mythbusters, and he's on reality TV, and he owns his own miniature shop. Fawn's, and the other one Fawn's is amazing, uh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, Fawn's amazing, and he and I were in high school together. He'll tell you that first thing when we're <laughs> when um, if you're together with me and him in the same room, that's the first thing that comes out of his mouth. Uh, but uh, uh, then the the uh, fourth guy um, is a is a uh, mailman. Now. So, uh, which is good, you know, it's steady, it's a steady gig. But um, 
it was one of those things where, yeah, I really wanted to do the, the movie thing from an early age and, uh, you know, was, I would have to say, really obsessed with it. So um, it was more than, you know, I, I, I definitely saw it as, um, you know, the, the foot in the door and the, and the stepping stone to something that I hope was going to be, you know, bigger. And I had done all those things that all the other, you know, guys out there in their garages have done over, over the years. You know, I did the, you know, the split screen shots and the stop motion stuff and, you know, had done all of that at home. It, you know, all of the stories are, are similar with uh, people who, uh, you know, started filmmaking in their garages. And, uh, and I totally, Phil was on my radar, absolutely. You know, I had tapes that were, you know, wearing out the heads on my uh, VHS player from, uh, you know, looking through the scenes in uh, uh, Ewok's Battle for Endor, you know. I was or, just going to say, man, the, <laughs> <laughs> the Ewok adventure, like, you know, people kind of, like, chuckle. But, man, if you're a stop-motion guy and you're watching it, both the, the first one and the second one, dude, there is some amazing shit in there. <laughs> yeah, and it's and what's cool is, I mean, I always thought that Phil's style was really a unique perspective, you know, growing up on, on the Harryhausen stuff, um, and then later seeing, seeing Phil's work, that it, it had a completely different um, sort of energy and feel, and especially the, the made-for-TV stuff, the Ewok movies, you know, his style was much looser, and the animation is uh, really, um, it's really acted well, but it's not very smooth. You know, right. he took a bunch of shortcuts, and I'm working for the first time directly at Phil Tippett's off, uh, studio now. And the one of the creatures from uh, I think the second Ewok movie is is sitting in a as it's collapsed. It's like this big dog thing, and it's coll- it collapses on the ground. You know, they kill it, and it's sitting in that pose in a display um, uh, case uh, in in one of the buildings. And I'm I just I love that thing. I love walking by that thing every you know, every <laughs> chance I get. I stop and geek out yeah the uh, last time the last time that I uh, met you and talked to you in person was at a monster palooza you were working on I want to say Ted 2 uh, oh. and, and and that's that's how long it's been <laughs> um, huh. but one of the things that has always fascinated me about you is that you are one of the guys who successfully made the transition from stop-motion animation where you're working with physical models and things and moving into the digital world. Could you talk about that? Was it was it difficult? Was it easy for you because you were of a certain age? Well, um, you had asked earlier if I was doing this kind of stuff in high school, and we did have a computer lab in, in high school, but, um, I mean, way back then it was Commodore 64s and PRS 80s. <laughs> And it was hard to, you know, see how that was going to evolve into what it is today. So, uh, but when I was at the Vinton studio, uh, especially later, my later years there um, in the 90s, early 90s, um, I started getting involved with uh, sort of the, you know, there's the, the popular animation platforms out there were, you know, Lightwave, not not even then, but later were Lightwave, Soft Image, and Maya, or Alias Wavefront, and then later Maya. Um, but there was a fourth contender in those early days, and that was Hash Animation Master by a guy up in Vancouver, uh, Washington, named Martin Hash. And some of his buddies, a guy named Ken Bear, got me involved in sort of trying out that software, and we worked on some video game projects in the early, early days. I mean, like, it was, it was uh, yeah, I can't even remember, but um, it, it was... Uh, 
it was like, well, I can't even remember the, oh, it was the Amiga. That's right. So for a while, I had an Amiga. So I did actually, I had had some experience, and I had done some commercials in Portland in the in the late 90s when I had my own, when my little studio was up and running, you know, full on. Um, we had worked uh, with a little computer animation company to do these Converse spots where we had to do this um, touch effects, this uh this sort of goo in the children's shoes, and so we did the the effects of that in uh, in CG. So I had worked with some guys, so I kind of you know was starting to chip away at that. But when I actually made the transition, there was this this weird period in, in time after Toy Story um, hit big, where all of the and, and and when DreamWorks was forming, where any animator with a pulse could get hired and trained in CG. And so it was this really strange time that's never going to happen again, I'm sure, unless maybe VR takes off, who knows, where um, they were willing to relocate you and pay for your training, and there was this huge demand for animation talent. So um, I was getting phone calls from the folks at Pixar, and I was being recruited by the folks at uh, uh, Sony. Uh, They were going to do Dinotopia down at Sony. And they were recruiting. As a matter of fact, a former uh, stop motion guy, Harry Walton, was the guy I met with up in uh, when I was uh, I was up at the Ottawa Animation Festival, and yeah. he was there in a, in a hotel suite, you know, recruiting people. And the DreamWorks folks were there. So, and then Bill Tippett actually called me on the phone at home, like to to bring me on for Starship Troopers. So, out of all these options, my choice was to go work for DreamWorks um, on Ants, and that was really hard. Um, as a matter of fact, I think it's the 20th or 25th anniversary of that film, and there's uh, some articles coming out about that now. But that was really hard because uh, that was going from stop motion with some CG into sort of a really old-school, hardcore Silicon Valley-like coding style of CG as it was. And their software back then was even a little less evolved than... Uh, Pixar software, and I had a friend at Pixar. Hal Hickel was there, and so I, you know, I knew I'd seen how they worked. But PDI was really hardcore. You know, I had to learn Linux, and <laughs> it was crazy, and it was it was and it was stressful because they were trying to beat Bugs Life to the to the market. So mm-hmm. there were all kinds of stresses, and it was a, it's a it, when I think back, it was a super stressful time in my life. But you know, it sort of um, you know it sort of it, when there's trauma like that you know, the things you learn really stick with you. So I um, still have the Linux. I still I still name my files the way I, I did. <laughs> I learned with PDI, you know, <laughs> underscore, no spaces, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's hilarious. I'm looking on your IMDb, and it's listing things like Evolution and Minority Report, Matrix Revolutions, around that time, 2001 to 2003. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. And it gets better from there. Yeah, it does get better from there, thank God. <laughs> yeah, tell me about the orphanage. Well, the orphanage was a great company. So I spent um, after DreamWorks and um, and after and then I spent I did a little stint on the Matrix Three and um, which was fun. But uh, I went over to work in games for a while to see what that was about, and that was at EA. And that ended with a giant lawsuit. <laughs> um, you know, not brought by me, but by a guy on our team, actually, against the company. And uh, and it became this big class action lawsuit uh, for sor- sort of like back overtime pay. And uh, and and the artist won. 
Um, what? And what? then the engineers brought. A, I have to. A- I have to ask you. While it was not brought by you, um, in your opinion, justified? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, there was the, the sort of the the head of our team sort of. Um, I mean, he would send out emails. <laughs> You know, saying we had to work mandatory overtime as salaried employees, and it was a whole argument about whether we were really exempt or not, and uh, and and just how much they were abusing the mandatory overtime thing, and and they sort of dug their own. You know, they the, all the evidence was was right out there. Sure, I mean, there was sure. no way they could really hide it, and it was a bigger deal than that because it was there was this whole EA spouse thing. It was it became this whole internet thing, and. I don't know. I, I, anyway, so uh, they've changed some of their ways. I hear it's a lot better working there now than it used to be, and some of my friends are still there, so That's it's cool. all good. Um, and we got, yeah, we, we, we got compensated for, you know, the, the weekends and, and late nights. And, and I learned a lot um, about CG there, actually, because I, up until that point, I had um, only really, you know, at, uh, at, at the bigger companies like uh, at PDI, um, you, as an animator, were really just doing animation, um, whereas now, and the, the training they give the kids at school these days, you really become, you start with modeling, and you build your characters, and you rig them, and then, you you know, you learn camera and lighting and all that. So you learn everything and animation. But, you know, I had started as a specialist, so working at um, EA let me learn more under the hood how CG actually works, because they are, you know, you think that people working in film are, you know, have, in CG, have some technology going on but really the video game world they know their can i swear you know? sure. oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Know their, they know their shit i yeah, mean they, they get really under the hood that is hardcore cg right there you know the real-time rendering and that's where everything has been moving for the last you know i guess 20 years now and it's you know we're we're going to hit that um, singularity where um you know the, the peak of cg rendering i think has almost been reached um on sort of you know traditional CG rendering on, uh, you know, where you, you, you set something to render and it takes hours and you have a, a, a farm and all that stuff. And we're going to reach a cusp where suddenly real-time rendering, you know, in a game engine is going to look good enough and mm-hmm. it's going to be done with a little bit of comp help. And, and then all the films are going to be rendered in, in, you know, it's not going to happen right in real time, but they're going to be rendered in real-time engines. Wow. So that's the next thing that's just around the corner. Um, I like to. Can I run by a, a couple of titles by you yeah. from your time around the orphanage? Tell me about mm-hmm. the host. Was that was that with orphanage or was that someone else? No, that was with the orphanage. That was actually the project I was brought on to the orphanage uh, to do. Um, so I was at EA at the time. They needed an animation supervisor. I had been supervising it at EA on some games, but um, they were a bit, a bit unsure because it was going back. I hadn't worked in film for... I was at EA for, like, three years. Um, so, yeah, it was a terrific project, and uh, we had a great team. Um, uh, it was the first big creature show for the orphanage, which had been a very successful um, sort of startup that kind of started with... The idea sort of started with, um, I think, episode... Uh, what is it? Four of uh, Star Wars mm-hmm. at... Uh, at, at uh, not even at ILM, but at, at Lucasfilm, um, Stu Mashowitz had started the Rebel Unit, where they were using off-the-shelf software to do shots, uh, previs, and then eventually shots for that movie. And so the idea was, out of there, 
can we use off-the-shelf software and actually do effects? And so the orphanage's big advantage in 3D was to use 3D Studio Max, to, which was sort of the poor man's, um, and that used some plugins for that that made it, uh, their renders look really good. And they, they kind of called it the poor man's render man. It was um, Brazil was the renderer they used at the time. Uh, I don't know what that's become now, but um, it was a it was sort of a plug-in for 3D Studio Max, and so we would port our uh, animation from Maya over to Max to render, and uh, and it was a great company and some really great people there who eventually um, some of them ended up forming Atomic Fiction, where I um, where I ended up working on Deadpool a few years ago. Yeah, we're gonna get to that yeah, in yeah, a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. No, 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 you're fine. It's it's it's, it's really weird because like you're. You're speaking the language from when I went to school, yeah. when, I, when I went back to school as an old man, <laughs> and it was all oh. it was all 3ds Max. It was all it was 3ds Max and Maya. That was the two big things that we were learning, and yeah. uh, and despite I just couldn't I just couldn't wrap my head around it. It's like I still I needed to grab a piece of clay and move it or make a model and move it, and I never was able to make that that. Um, that jump between this physical and, and the conceptual. And so I'm just in awe of people of you, people like you who have been able to do that. Well, maybe you need, maybe you, it's time to get back in because I think the <laughs> VR stuff has that, you know, that, you know, there's some guys doing the VR thing um, where they're kind of, you know, doing that in 3D space with a headset. So maybe it's time to jump back on that horse. I don't know. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, er, early on when I started working at, uh, uh, it took me about a year before I even began to th- feel like I understood what I was doing in, in the computer at, uh, at DreamWorks. And, uh, and it was like, uh, you know, pushing a puppet with a broomstick from across the room. Like, seriously, like, <laughs> you had to, it took so long because we actually animated with a spreadsheet. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't know it well enough to understand what the numbers meant when you were rotating something. So I would have to punch in a number, see what direction an elbow would move the forearm, and then punch in another number, you know, uh, to, to, to put it either back where it was or, um, it was just horrible. You know, That's it was insane. really difficult. You just want to grab yeah, it but and move it. Time, <laughs> yeah, you can't, and you couldn't. You were, you were in, in many ways, Animation Master on the Amiga was more advanced than PDI software. Wow. So, wow, yeah, wow, wow. it was hardcore. Uh, I, I'm just personally curious. You work with you, Uwe Boll, on... Oh, we worked on, uh, yeah. In the uh, name of the King? Did it, you have any uh, interaction with him? Yeah. No, 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 no. He, uh, as a matter of fact, I think we, uh, I'm not sure how that came about, but, uh, I think maybe a couple other effects companies had sort of either left the project or couldn't, I don't want to, I don't think it wasn't a matter of, uh, couldn't, weren't up to snuff, but we, we kind of came on as a 911, uh, job, as they say in the uh, VFX biz, you know, where, you know, something didn't turn out, or, or the deal fell through, and so we were brought on so, sort of late in the game, and um, and actually that was a uh, you know the work turned out pretty well. The work that we we did um, for you know a movie that was really <laughs> awful, but um, yeah. but yeah, it, it was we you know one of the things we did on there was so we used it as an opportunity to test out various crowd systems because we had to do these. Uh, fields of, they, you know, they were like orcs, but they call them krugs. Krugs, yeah. yeah. And so we had all this mocap of these krugs, um, 
uh, and it was all done. All that stuff was recorded in Vancouver, and uh, and we were just you know going in and sort of fleshing out these scenes in between the live action shots, and and so we had to uh, test out. The, we used it as an opportunity to test out various crowd systems that were we built in house. So we built a Houdini crowd system, and we built a, a we cheated. A, you can cheat a crowd system in in Max or Maya by making a really long cycle and offsetting it and po- and just multiplying that out. And it's a dumb way to make a crowd, but it works, kind of. Um, yeah. So we did that method, Houdini, and I think there was a third way. But um, anyway, and I had to populate all those with you know animated characters. Sure, sure. Also, Red Cliff, that really stuck out. I'm a big fan Red, of Red yeah. Cliff. And now that one, I actually went to China for two weeks to support our VFX soup, uh, 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 oh, Craig Hayes, who was out there. Craig was poor. Craig was out in China for like a year, not quite a year, but almost a year out in the shit. And I went out for two weeks to help him and, and got to meet John Wu and all that. And uh, uh, and that was really uh, that was really quite an eye opener. Yeah, it's, it's such a great film. I, I'm going to back up for just a second, um, you know, in talking about how um, uh, you guys came into the uh, the bowl film. Um, a lot of times, uh, a visual effects company will get contracted to to work on the effects for a movie, and then the deadline starts to come, and they realize that they're not they're not able to get it all, and so they start subcontracting out to these other companies, and mm-hmm. then pretty soon, and you know, before you know it, you've got five different visual effects companies working on right. a movie where, yeah. where maybe or, or originally just one or two were hired. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been on those projects and I think um, uh, one came to mind while you were talking, but I, I, uh, you're, you're going to say something? Uh, what was the next? Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about your relationship with uh, Les Claypool and Primus. Well, it's not as much of a relationship as it might seem. Uh, the guy who really had the relationship uh, with Les Claypool was uh, Mike Johnson, who did Devil Went Down to Georgia. You know, and I worked with Mike on James the Giant Peach, and he did uh, Southbound Pachyderm, Devil Went Down to Georgia. He did a bunch of stuff for one of um, sort of the um, extra CD-ROM stuff uh, for uh, the one with the guy with the flowers in his head. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember the album. Um, and... Was there? I think there was a third music video that he did some stuff on. I want to say there was uh, like three less. or four like clay yeah. stop motion things that, that Primus was involved. With. Yeah, I think there was another one besides Southbound Pachyderm and uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia, but I can't remember what it is. But uh, those were all, I believe, um, they were all Mike Johnson. So uh, I was brought into the mix via a band called uh, Beat Antique, which is an Oakland band. And how did they get in touch with me? I can't remember. Beat and by the way, are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're totally awesome. Yeah, and they had this sort of you know I think I think the story I was told was like Les recorded the one his part of the one tune like <laughs> I want to say it was like in the tour bus, but I don't think that's true. But it was like he just threw out this vocal and this um you know this uh, guitar or uh, bass track for them to, to mix into one song. And Beats Antique uh, brought me in... Oh, it was through an orphanage connection, actually. Uh, Ivan Landau, who was directing this... and it, it, That was a super neat project, because Ivan was doing a... With a company called Obscura Digital, which is a pr- really successful projection mapping company in San Francisco, 
Ivan was doing basically a full uh, sort of feature rock opera thing where every every song had its own unique visual style that was projection mapped during the concert onto you know onto the stage and so of course he wanted to to do one in clay and he knew that I did clay because we'd worked together at um, at the orphanage of course I wasn't doing clay there but he, he knew it and so he and Scott Nordland actually worked on that as well on um, doing some miniatures for one of the other sequences and one of the other songs and so I did I did the Les Claypool song and that's how you know the, so the connection with Les Claypool didn't come from Les at all it came through uh, Beats Antique and then later um, uh, Les called up Ivan and wanted to do a, a music video of his own for the Candyman album I was working down in LA on other stuff uh, Ted 2 and Cosmos and a bunch of other things at the time so I couldn't really do it um, but I, I said, well, maybe between me and Scott and, uh, and my friend Edgar in, in, uh, in Columbia, we can kind of cobble it together. And it took a long time, and Les was not very happy. But it kind of turned out, and that was the Candyman video. And then mm. later he was doing this uh, thing for, with, with the Sean Lennon, you know, for the, the Sean Lennon, uh, the Lennon Claypool Delirium, which is an awesome, their first album is awesome. Yeah. And he was doing that Bubbles song, and he wanted this, you know, this one-minute thing for the end. And I, you know, was able to crank that out fairly quickly, and I think he was, he was happy with that. And I liked the way it turned out. Of course, the song got a terrible reception. Like the the YouTube uh, <laughs> comments are full of hate because I well, mean that's what they do. Hardcore Michael, <laughs> yeah, hardcore Michael Jackson fans. Which, and I'm a hardcore Michael Jackson fan. And you know, the funny thing was that Sean Lennon was in. Uh, Moonwalker, and that was my first feature credit because we right. worked on Moonwalker at the Vinton Studio. You worked on, and so I want. I was going to say mm-hmm. you you worked on the sequence with the rabbit. Yeah, Speed Demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to pay homage to 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 Moonwalker from my perspective, and Sean Lennon was paying homage to his his time, you know, spent with with Michael and and that whole thing. And so I fit in stuff from. My memory, so it was all done in it with a, you know a sense of you know sort of nostalgia for my, Michael, but I, I maybe somebody else who was there on the, in the live action brought a different sensibility to it. With the there was a creep factor that that people um, sort of ran with, and it, so it, it didn't get a good reception. Mm. But I'm mm. proud of the work we did, and we ended up you know um, Michael is played by the guy from the Mighty Boosh. I can't remember his name. Oh yeah, but he's on uh, British Big Show now. Noel Fielding. Yeah. Is it Noel? Yes. Yeah. So, something like that. Very close. Yeah. So we had to do uh, my my friend Damon Bard and I, who I've worked with for decades now. Damon is a fantastic character designer and sculptor. He and I had to do a caricature of Noah Fielding doing Michael Jackson. So it's not quite Michael. It's not quite Noah. <laughs> Yeah. But it's a mixture of the two, and I think we pulled it off, and people, you know, commented on that, you know, wow. and so, uh, yeah. And, you know, people are so quick. Sean Lennon, it was in Chibumata for a while. I yeah. guess he was dating. Oh, Nathan I Bicker. didn't know that. And they're out. Al- they have an album, man. It's um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but man, it's. So I love their old album. It's their, their so first album. Was, yeah, it's so yeah. good. The one that's all about food. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> this thing. I love um, that. I love that. There's a songs on it like Sci-Fi Wasabi's on it and Moonchild is on it, which is a great just pop song. And he's a good guitar player, but people are so quick to go, Mer. yeah, yeah. But oh well, yeah, it's so mean. They they pick on him, you know, because of his relationship. You know, his the father 
you know, his father. Yeah. And they and they also pick on him in that instance, uh, you know, because he's because of the Michael Jackson aspect. Yeah. And so they just and they use one against. It's just crazy. It you is know? crazy. It's just crazy. But anyway, so I. I don't really have that much of a relationship with um, okay. Les Claypool, but uh, you know he's he's used me on a couple projects. So you know we'll see. Um, he also did uh, I think since then he did one more uh, animated video that sort of looks like Clay, but it was done in CG in Japan by uh, some people I don't know. Um, but uh, we'll see. You know, I Who's saw it? you giving some. So, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask. Does it <clears throat> as a fan? It drives me crazy when I see people use CG to replicate the look of stop motion. That just drives me nuts. And I'm like, like if you're going to do that, just why not just do stop motion? And right. I guess I shouldn't care so much, but but man, I, it just it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts too. But at the same time, I don't think they ever really pull it off. True. Yeah, there's yeah, always it looks a little cheesy. Yeah. yeah, it looks kind of it's it, it gets close enough in some ways and completely off in others. It's it's almost like a weird version of the Uncanny Valley, mm-hmm. like the you know it, it, it the Uncanny Uncanny <laughs> Valley. I don't know the un, Uncanny <laughs> Stop Motion Valley. You know where you're 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 not making it look handmade enough. You know because it's not handmade. But right. I mean I love like in um, uh, How to Train Your Dragon. I love the fact that the hair look they look like tiny characters made of felt or you know they look right. like yarn I mm-hmm. love that and um, you know but uh, yeah it's never quite the same and you, you just it just doesn't feel right so but so they shoot themselves in the foot by doing that it's, it's you know it's, it's yeah. I don't I learn not to be to complain about it too much because it seems like it never really comes off it kind of it, 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 it yeah yeah well like like the Lego movie is as good as it is like I, I, I imagine know, that the whole time. Motion. I know the whole time I'm watching it. Like, man, I wish they had just done Legos. You know. Yeah. There now there was. I worked at Stupid Buddy Studios a few years ago, and they they did a little bit of stop motion at Stupid Buddy for the title sequence, I think. So, mm. it, it, you know, I give them a bit of a pass. <laughs> Tell me about. I saw that on your blog. You were giving some love to Helen back. Dude. Yeah. Oh, I gave them a lot of love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, so good. And time there, well, yeah. it's it's not good in in some ways, and it's amazing in other ways. You know, it's a it's um, it, you know that was there was a weird thing happening back in what 2012, 2013 in L.A. where there were three three studios doing features. There was um, uh, anomalies that was going on at Starburns, and then we were doing Helen back over at Shadow Machine, and I think there was another project. Another feature project going on at the time, but anyway, so they they were sort of a lot of the same crew worked on both Anomalisa and on Helen Back, and and both of those films kind of went on for quite a while because they they would stop and start every every once in a while. Like uh, Helen Back did some reshoots, which I was the um, I was the supervisor on, and Misha Klein was the supervisor on the main shoot. So I was on the project after I finished Ted One. I was doing some stuff, and then I worked on that, and that was super fun. And then I worked on uh, uh, some other stuff and then came back and supervised the sort of eight or 12 week uh, reshoot period for, for the new, en- new ending for Helen Back. And so it, that was just a you know, great time, great studio, great people. Ross Schumann was the director and sort of writer, but a lot of it was ad lib. So we were working with great voice tracks like Danny McBride. I, I animated a lot of Danny McBride's 
tree rape song. <laughs> <laughs> they sing like in the style of um, I can't remember that guy from the seventies, Gordon Lightfoot. Oh. <laughs> he sings like Lightfoot. But, uh, so so I, I animated a bunch of Danny McBride, and that was really fun. Um, that just animating that song was so much fun. Sure, um, I bet. It was you know it's just a it's just a goofy movie, and yeah. and um, I hope you know people have love for it in the future because uh, we put a lot of work into it. It just. You know, it was never going to get a theatrical re- release. I'm, I, it did get a theatrical release, but it was more of like the kind of thing where it should have been shown like straight to cable, but it should have been like an event on cable, like for I don't know, you know, the effects channel or some channel where they could have, you know, where an R-rated movie could be an event. Right. But instead, they want to go for theatrical, so it just kind of, you know, just kind of got put out there on the market, and nobody, you know, people have to discover it on their own. Yes. Well, luckily, home video is a great place for that, right? You know, yeah. You know, so. uh, this is uh, you know this is Halloween, and so we you know we finally look back to Mad Monster Party, yeah. And and that's okay. one of those stop motion classics that it, you know if if you're not of a certain age or so you don't even know it exists. You, you know? show that to a young audience, oh as my well, God. and they hate it, and it's yeah. like oh, kids. And it is it's by far my favorite Raked Bass uh, stop motion thing. Well, so, you know, the funny thing is I, I am an animation snob, and even at a young age, like, I could not get past the bad animation in some of those Rankin-Bass movies. And they, they admit as well that some of the animation could have been better. Yeah. But, you know, the thing about Mad Monster Party is the design. The Paul, I think it's Paul Coker did the character design in that, and the character design is amazing. It is. It's fantastic. Uh, it, it, you know all of those things. The you know as far as the animation style, you know it was all done fast. It reminds me of kind of like the the, the stop motion version of Hanna Barbera, two uh, <laughs> D animation. There's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of skipping of frames and yeah, <laughs> repeating <laughs> back there. <laughs> as I'm looking over your IMDb, it seems like at a certain point you did. Was it a conscious decision to go into previs? Yes. Um, tell, tell me about that. Yes. Well, um, so I had done some previs on um, the first Iron Man movie, just previs for our um, internal test, because everybody was working on, you know, the first Iron Man movie was a big deal in the VFX world, and many studios did tests to try and get the work. And the Orphanage did a test that the director really liked. He cut it into the to the um, sort of work print of the, of the movie and, and sort of wrote a scene around it. But... We were, you know, so I, that was probably the first project I, I previs, and I did some previs on um, Red Cliff, and I did some previs on The Spirit, which was a movie that nobody mm-hmm. saw. Frank Miller, oh, though, oh, I, I saw it. <laughs> Frank Miller, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and had a lot, and really enjoyed previs, and, um, you know, it's because you get to be sort of a, you get to use all your filmmaking skills. You're not just doing umpteen versions of the same, you know, character, you know, stepping on a car shot or what have you. Um, uh, so, and and then also there was a lot of outsourcing going on at the time. So it was a calculated move on my part to uh, to go into a part of the industry where it could could never really be outsourced because previous has to be you have to be close to the director, you know, mm-hmm. so that you know you can get that feedback loop um, uh, and those changes done in short order. So that was the plan. So I went to L.A. Um, you know, I'd been at a couple studios. The Bay Area took a huge hit that it hasn't really recovered from in terms of. Um, in terms of movie work, I had been at the, the orphanage closed, 
And part of that was because of the writer's strike and, and the way the studios were doing less of those mid-level movies with enough effects to keep a small studio like the Orphanage or mid-sized studio like the Orphanage busy. Um, they, don't, they don't really do those kind of movies anymore, so um, that hurt the Orphanage. And the Orphanage went under, and then I was at uh, Image Movers Digital, which went under. Uh, I want to say there was a third company in there. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, uh, yeah, ESC actually, where they did the Matrix that went under before, before the orphanage went under. Mm-hmm. So and uh, and, e- and even before that, um, uh, the commercial and effects division of DreamWorks, where I was after Ants, uh, had had been shut down by Katzenberg. So um, it was sort of a calculated move on my part to uh, to go down to LA and split my. Um, you know, career between going back to stop motion, hopefully, and doing previs, and it worked great. So I was super busy with um, with previs. Now, the the weird thing that happened in there was um, the TED movies. You know, where right. I was hired on as a previs guy solo, which was really hard, but also as the motion capture guy. Um, and I had had some experience with, especially at EA, with motion capture, but um, you know, I was really um, having to. Uh, the learning curve was really steep. So, so, uh, but it all worked out, and re- it worked out really well, actually. And um, and 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 so, yeah, yeah, I, I was doing great down in LA as a pre-biz and stop-motion guy, which is an odd mix, but uh, it worked. Yeah, and the titles are like things like The Wolverine, X Men: Days of Future Past, uh, Maleficent, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, you're not. You know, these aren't. These are high-profile <laughs> projects. Well, the cool thing is that with previs, uh, like story uh, storyboards used to be, you kind of you're getting you're getting the second pass at the movie. Like you're you know it's written and now you are starting to put together what it's going to look like. That's got to be yeah. You're getting yeah, and sometimes it's so there's something called pitch viz too, where you're working on it before the movie. Uh, you know, even gets greenlit. You know, um, so you're working directly with the director, uh, and you're you're putting something together together to show the to show the prospective studios. You know, what what you're going to do. So it's super exciting. Does all of this stuff make uh, you entice you to, to maybe one day consider if the project and the opportunity was right to direct? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I've directed my own things, and I've directed. Um, Segments of things for other studios, you know, directed mocap sessions and so on and so forth. But, I mean, it's, um, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, like, you know, these days when you're a director, you you don't have a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, you answer to so many, you have so many um, uh, right. powers to answer to. Uh, um, you're almost like better off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> We've talked about that a lot, especially with like um, the Marvel these, films. these big, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, and it seems like when they do get a director who kind of has a a singular vision mm-hmm. or, or or wants to do something different, they're they're out. The Lego I mean, guys, yeah, yeah, exactly, because uh, they want you to follow this formula. Yeah, yeah. Now I have to. When you mentioned all those titles, I have to go back uh, and and mention that. What, one of the things about LA is I was bouncing around a lot between different shops, and one of the reasons was while I was doing the Beats Antique uh, Les Claypool music video, I was basically I had to do it unemployed. I had to I had to basically be unemployed because the budget was so ridiculously low 
There was no way I could live on it. So I would work on, uh, Shadow Machine loaned me the space to shoot in, and I would work there for like two or three weeks, and then I would take a free, uh, freelance gig and work on that, and then go back for another two weeks and, you know, just bounce back and forth. So wow. during that time, yeah, during that weird, I don't know, three or four month time, I think it was less than that. Yeah, it's all 2014. During that time, yeah, so I would find myself over at the Warner Brothers lot working on Godzilla, doing uh, post-viz, I think it was, and then I'd find myself um, working over at, uh, well, that was earlier, but I worked at on, on the Wolverine, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it was really schizophrenic, because I was doing CG at a big studio for two weeks, and then shooting in a little stage, shooting clay, and then, going, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. But uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the things I shot, I had to go to uh, work on an Apple commercial, at uh, a studio in Santa Monica, and I literally I had to stop the clay shot because I didn't have enough time to commute over to Santa Monica. And then I get to Santa Monica, so I had to sort of I I didn't quite shoot the last few frames of this thing that was these growing houses because I had to get in my car and drive to Santa Monica. Then of course when I get to Santa Monica, you know I sit there for two hours because they don't have a seat for me to to, to, <laughs> to start working yet, you know? So I was like, oh, my God, I could have finished this important thing. And and, and, and really, we were just doing previs on an Apple uh, phone commercial, which they Apple had already done the commercial. They they For some reason, they didn't like it, so they were hiring this other company to redo the same commercial, and we were doing previs for that. It was really ridiculous. And that's the, the sad thing you find in CG is you just feel like your time is just wasted because you're yeah. just redoing the same shit over and over and over for X number of people who have their say in it. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I hear you, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I'm interested, I don't want to get too much into it because I, 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 I recognize that it that different people have different opinions and it can get ugly. Were you at the Vinton studio when, when the whole thing with Leica started to happen? No, no, that was much, much later. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Just in, in, a, in a nutshell, basically, um, uh, Leica basically took, depending on who you talk to and how you look at it, basically Leica, who brought us Coraline and all these other things, um, basically took Will Vinton's studio, again, depending on who you talk to yeah. and how you look at it. So I know that, that that's I, a... Yeah, go ahead. I think it's much more nuanced than that. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the... You know, I, I, you know, Will was always trying to make inroads into L.A., and he was always bringing these guys in from L.A. to to be in executive positions, thinking that they would get him the feature deal, you know, with um, the studios down there. And so he would, but, uh, you know, a lot of those guys were leaving L.A. escaping, you know, sort sure. of. And so he'd bring in these folks who were, weren't going to make the deal happen, and I think were sort of taking advantage of Will. And um, so there's only so much of that that you can, only so many times you can do that and survive and hope to survive. And eventually, like, some of the guys he hired were the ones who voted him off the board. Right. Or voted to, you know, I, I, I don't remember the legal details of it, but the people he hired uh, in executive positions were the one who turned, you know, who, uh, who stabbed him in the back, I, right. I think, it, from what I read. Hmm. Now, at the same time, the studio would have collapsed if he didn't have the money from Phil Knight. Right. So, you know, you know, uh, and Will was always spending, uh, in those later years, spending a lot of money on on these, uh, you know, feature projects that were never going to get off the ground. 
because the ideas were just, I think, too. Um, in a lot of, in a lot, I don't, don't want to be critical of the guy. No, 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 no. In, in a lot of ways, and 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 I never met Will Vinton. I, I have friends who took classes from him and stuff because he was a, a, a teacher. Um, in a lot of ways, he makes me think of Art Clokey, in that mm. in that he 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 provided a place for a lot of animators to come together and um, work on things and and get better. Um, and also he kind of had this, I don't know, uh, uh, he, he had a particular ideal, and, and it wasn't always, it, it wasn't always conducive to being a good businessman. Yeah, he was a different kind of businessman than, than our Klipke, and that's why it's really sad to see Will go, because when you, I think of Will, you know, you think of some, I think a lot of people think of him, like, in, in, it's hard to comparison, but sort of like you think of Elon Musk and Steve Jobs today. I mean, back then he was this mogul, you know, that was all over television. People forget how big the studio was. He was all over television. He was doing a lot of different things that people that were very visible. And it seemed like this growing, you know, it's, he was sort of this industrialist dreamer, you know, that ideal right. from a bygone era, which is now alive in guys like Elon Musk, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was. Re- that's really different than our Cloakey, who had this wacky, you know, vision from his uh, um, Indian guru, you know, combined with the ideas from Lasco. I can't even say the name <laughs> of the teacher who thought of these kinesthetics of motion. You know, I mean, uh, our Cloakey was really this sort of um, pure artist and will was this mogul you know and he gave many many people an opportunity um so and I, he's I guess really responsible for building a huge chunk of what whatever movie industry is in oregon is, is it's all connected to will gus van sant used to shoot reference film at the studio yeah hmm. i guess that's the correlation i was making is that he had this place where all these different people came and at least for a little bit worked um, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I, I, I would have to, yeah, if you're talking about it from that angle, because like with, there's connections with like Rick Baker, Doug Beswick, and uh, a lot of others with with uh, Art Cloakey for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of the things I saw in your blog that um, I thought was very very cool is a you have a video there of a visual effects breakdown on the Deadpool uh, promotional film that they used to to land the film. Is can you tell me about that? Well, wait on my. Oh, okay, yeah, the breakdown. Um, yeah. Well, the breakdown is. I think the breakdown you're seeing is something from uh, Atomic Fiction, where it actually breaks down the freeway chase sequence. Right. 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 Yeah. So the freeway chase. So that I was, um, you know, working in L.A. and uh, looking for an excuse to come back to the Bay Area, and this was uh, what 2015. Um, this was after TED Two, just after TED Two, mm-hmm. and I was actually working on the Candyman video for for Les Claypool. So um, at the time, and uh, I get a call from Ryan Tuthope at uh, Atomic Fiction, and they're looking for an animation supervisor for um, which you know is sort of a repeat of the Orphanage. It was their first big sort of character animation sequence um, combined with you know all these vehicles. Um, at Atomic Fiction. You know, they had had some success. They had worked on, they were just finishing the walk for Robert Zemeckis, and they had worked on uh, um, 
what's that movie with Bruce Willis uh, where he goes back in time Looper? and the uh, Looper. Looper, yeah. Yeah, they had worked on Looper and they had worked on a couple Robert Zemeckis movies, including The Walk and uh, the one with Denzel Washington. So they had had some success as a small startup, but this was their, you know, this was their big move in, in via a guy, uh, uh, Jonathan Rothbard, who was the VFX supervisor on Deadpool, who had been one of the founders of the orphanage. This was a, a big deal. So, you know, I know all those guys, and um, I came up, we, I signed the deal, and we got to work. And the sequence was actually, and you talk about, we were talking about 3D Studio Max earlier. Well, the one studio that still, the one sort of visual effects and animation studio that still uses 3D Studio Max heavily is Blur, which is um, the director of Deadpool. Uh, help me with the name here. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. Stahil, Stahilowski. Chad Stahelski. Yeah. Wait, no. Did he no, no. Tim, it? Tim. Tim Miller. Thank Tim you. Miller, yeah. Man, yeah. Chad is John Wick. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, not no, no, no. Don't get the two confused. <laughs> but I liked it too, though. I wanted to hate it, but I like it. Um, but Tim Miller was uh, so. Tim, this was Tim Miller's first feature, uh, and you know we had worked at the orphanage with, um, especially because of the 3D Studio Max connection. We had worked with a lot of people from Blur, so we knew the Blur people. And Tim Miller's been doing great CG and fantastic cinematics for 20 years. So we did not want to fuck up, you know. And and this sequence, the freeway chase sequence, was, you know, we got awarded it via Jonathan Rothbart and um, because it was also because it was a low-budget movie and so we were hungry for the, you know, Atomic Fiction was hungry for the work to, to make it, uh, uh, you know, put, it, put their name on it. And, um, but it was a really, really hard sequence. And it was based also on the actual... Um, sequence that they had done for the, the test that got out there, mm-hmm. you know, that, that got sort of secretly, you know, put on the internet or whatever. So, and we actually had the files from those. We had the mocap and the camera layout from that original test that had gone through Blur. They had made a few tweaks on it, cut it into the previs, or they had done the previs based on their original thing. So we had all that to deal with. So we had something that worked really well that we had to live up to. We had the Tim Miller thing hanging over our head. And also, people don't remember that this was at the time where the wave of anti-CG sentiment in the viewing public had reached a peak. It's reached another peak maybe since then, but people were talking about how, you know, they hated CG and we should do things practically. Well, the freeway chase could have been done practically, but they didn't have the budget and it would have been really dangerous. So they, but they basically didn't have the budget to do it. So they were you know, going to rely on CG. So we also had that to contend with, which was very much in the forefront of my mind. Like, well, this has to look good this or, was- or people are going to... This was yeah. when everybody was putting the green screens up on their Facebook uh, as their Facebook profile. I don't know. <laughs> that was more about the rhythm and Hughes. Later. It was about the rhythm and Hughes thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, you know, people were people were all over the media talking about how um, the, the the George Lucas Star Wars movies, um, uh, Attack of the Clowns, and the one afterward were sort of um, just full of bad CG. They were just <laughs> criticizing the CG. Yeah. Um, so, so we had to, you know, we had that co- to contend with, and, and I thought we, we did a good job avoiding that stigma. Well, what's great about the video is that it shows it shows a, a bit of a sequence, and then it goes through, and it just starts adding layers, and yeah. shows you like yeah. this is how this was done, and yeah. it's. I thought I knew about a lot of this stuff, and even this video, I kept going like, God, You're like really? that was Jesus. yeah, yeah. 
That is crazy. Exactly. I think a lot of people didn't know that that was CG, and I think, and I don't even know if the studio, you know, Fox did not expect that movie to be a hit. And uh, I mean, I think there was a party in marketing at, at the studio who knew it was going to be a hit. The marketing was really good, but I, I think some executives, from what I understand, you know, did not really believe in Deadpool. It was a, the definition, sort of, of a sleeper hit. Mm-hmm. But um, I think a lot of it, you know, you 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 wouldn't know unless you saw our breakdown. And I still think people don't believe it that right. that some of that stuff was CG. Yeah. And I think that maybe when they started on Deadpool two, they didn't know that some of that stuff was CG because you know a stunt woman died. Mm-hmm. in a motorcycle right. stunt right, uh, in, right, right. early in production on that second movie. And again, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to I wanted to hate on the second movie because we didn't work on it and you know, I, and it was Tim Miller wasn't involved, but actually I really like the second movie. I, I love it. Yeah. That's fun. I I don't know about the wisdom of this PG-13 cut they're going to release in December. Uh, I, I, I think that's so. Yeah, don't even bother. Yeah, I know. Why right? <laughs> well, uh, bother? Well, yeah. in, in our final moments here, because I, I feel like I could, we could, we could go over all of this for for hours to to come. But I'm curious. We to didn't talk much about Ben. That's tr- it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, well, one of the things. Uh, so, <clears throat> I was at a convention this weekend down in Portland, and I, I just got here like right at the last second. And and Tom and I were trying to scramble back and forth. We're communicating. It's like. Like, what are we going to talk about? Because our, our guest canceled. And it's like, well, Vinton. And then, so I immediately thought of you, and we got a hold of you. And then it became obvious that, like, you are a guest, and like, we need to talk about what you're working on, too. And, um, and so we're hoping that this is kind of, we're trying to kill two birds with one stone here and, and, and talk about your career and um, the amazing stuff that Will Vinton did. Real quickly, um, if I remember correctly, and you can uh, uh, let me know if I'm wrong, Will first got his, his first real big um, attention with Closed Mondays. Um, yes. Uh, which was a, a, an Academy Award winner for Best Animated Short. Um, when people, people use the term claymation very, very loosely today, that's actually a trademark uh, of Will's. Is that correct? It was, yeah. Yeah. And we have, you know, and while we have um, Ardman and, and, and people like that, there's really not a lot of people doing what Will did. And, and Will did something amazing with this, with the clay and, uh, and the clay animation. Yeah, well, stop motion in general has always been a, a whole uh, few and far between, you know, garage shops all around the world doing it. It's barely ever been industrialized. Like with cell animation, the Disney studio industrialized the process, but with stop motion, the only studio, big studios that have kind of come together to, to do the same thing would be, you know, Skellington maybe for Nightmare Before Christmas and Ardman, you know, and at the Vinton studio, we didn't really, we, scaling was a problem, like you can look through the, like I can look through the shots from Meet the Raisins or Claymation Christmas and I can tell you which animator did the animation because of their style, you know, everybody's style was a little bit different and we did have processes in place to really, you know, industrialize and scale up you know, and make it an easier thing to do. Everybody had to sculpt the lip sync, you know, on set. And that's, it was hard um, and, and dependent on the person's skill. Uh, and uh, and you were talking about the, uh, the trademark, actually. So, uh, yeah, Will and Bob Gardner made Closed Mondays, won the Oscar 
and then later, you know, they were playing around with some different ideas on what the name of the process should be. I think Bob wanted it to be Sculptimation, and then for a while they called it 3Dmation, and eventually, thank goodness, they settled on Claymation, and they did trademark it. Unfortunately, that was one of the things that Will lost in the Leica um, buyout, is that he lost the trademark to Claymation. Oh, so. So for a long time, I was when I was in business and sort of, you know, kind of in a small way competing with the studio up in Portland, you know, I was doing commercials on my own. I made sure to call my stuff clay animation, not call it claymation. Sure. But now I try to use claymation as much as I can because I think it, it's, it's become like Xerox, you know. It's, right. You want... People you know. Want it to, you want it to be freed up from... And I don't think Leica cares to, to hold right. on to... Uh, but, the, well, yeah, because they're not, they're not doing that anyways, so... So Not really, no. Where where can people find your stuff? Well, the best place is my Vimeo page, I think, because I'm constantly updating that um, with new stuff all the time. And are you? Yeah, I have a blog, yeah, but yeah, nobody reads blogs anymore. Just my Vimeo page. <laughs> and, and Instagram. My Instagram following is really pathetic. So find yeah, me on I, I read your blog. <laughs> Yeah, you. you <laughs> yeah, well, look Thank at you. you, nerds who have podcasts. Read my blog. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, right. No, is the best. Your uh, IMDb lists something called Zombinatrix uh, for 2019. <laughs> I'm just curious well, because I love okay. the name. Yes, it's a great concept. It's sort of a lot like Frankenhooker, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a pet project of a husband wife team. The wife plays. Zombinatrix, by the way, if you couldn't guess. Um, and they are kickstarting, uh, they, they launched a Kickstarter for it, uh, I think it's www.zombinatrix.com um, that's Zombinatrix with an X at the end. And uh, and it's, uh, you know, kind of uh, a bit like The Crow and Frankenhooker, and you know, depending on how the Kickstarter goes, I'll be doing a number of stop motion effects for it. It's just a fun side project. I have a whole bunch of side projects going on right now. That's cool. Very cool. Is there anything that you can also look for? Are you going to be working on any more Stranger Things? Oh, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I'm not with Atomic Fiction anymore, and they were working quite closely with Netflix on a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, I worked on a really interesting movie. Um, my, one of my last projects there was Predator, the new Predator. And I, but not not much of my previous work or or sort of um, spaceship work ended up. I think well, it's in the movie, but I don't know what what of it is mine. It's just spaceships anyway. Um, mm. And then I worked on a really interesting movie where this art comes to life and kills people, which I, I don't know that it has a title yet. But that's a Netflix movie, and I don't know when it's going to come out. So there's that. But uh, the interesting thing I'm doing uh, right now, outside of the work I'm doing at the Tippett Studio is I'm going to be going up to Seattle soon to work with Bruce Bickford on some new animation for the Zappa documentary Whoa, that Alex Winter's doing. Nice. Hold on, hold on. Wait, hold on. Wait, what? You heard it. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I'm, going up, to, yeah, I'm going up to Seattle to help. I'm just going for a weekend to Seattle to help Bruce set up, and yeah. I'm bringing back some of his sculptures. Um, that He's been doing new Zappa sculptures and new sculptures for this piece that... Alex Winter wants him to do some new animation for this, you know, huge Kickstarter-funded Zappa documentary, and so I'm going Dude. up to Seattle to help Bruce. You know, he hasn't done clay animation in a while, yeah, um, a long while. and so I'm helping him get set up. I'm going to bring back some of the sculptures. I'm going to shoot some animation at my place, mimicking Bruce's style, and Bruce is going to shoot some animation in Seattle, and I'm also going to do a sculpture of Bruce 
you know, in the old Zappa, like Baby Snicks uh, and Dub Room Special stuff, you, Bruce put himself in the animation. You know, a young right. Bruce mm-hmm. as the animator sort of looking through the camera. And we're gonna, and the plan is we're gonna do that again. He's gonna maybe on his end put himself in the animation, and I'm gonna do a, a caricature of old Bruce. And so it's gonna hopefully Dude, be a cycle oh full circle. Alice Winter's killing yeah. it. I, I am just, I am he's vibrating got, with electricity. He's got. Several hundred dollars of my money on this, and he's he's being really good about sending out these updates of like, yeah. hey, I just got a video the other day of Zappa and Dweezil as judges on on Dance Fever, right? And it's just the most bizarre thing in the world, right, right, right. I am so excited. About okay, that. Cool. Zappa. All right. Well, yeah, I don't think Alex Swinner even knows I'm working on it. I mean, I ran into him at Monster Palooza a few months ago, and I um, and I've been a fan of his for ages. I worked on the movie Freaked yes. for one day, briefly <laughs> for for the title sequence uh, with Dave Daniels, the guy who who's worked on uh, Idiot Box and a bunch of other stuff, and, and did the whole title sequence for Freaked for Alex. But um, I've, I've been a big fan of his as a director for a long time. So, uh, um, But it's really more about working with Bruce, because I've been friends with Bruce for, for decades and decades, and, and he, you know, he needs help. Uh, you know, he hasn't done the clay in quite a while, and, but he, he's still got, he's done these new Zaposcopes that are just really neat, and, uh, and I've, I've been a fan of his stuff. That's amazing. So it's going to be a lot of work because, you know, the thing is, like, when I wor- worked on the the Beats Antique music video, like, they wanted to do Bruce's style, and so I, I wanted to do something, you know, sort of paying homage to Bruce, and I realized when I was animating that when you watch Bruce's work, you're actually seeing years go by on the screen. I mean, he worked on, he just, at his own pace, he worked on that stuff for a long, long, long time. And everything right? moves yeah. at, like, the same speed. It's like, it's... Yeah, even... Yeah, it yeah. is. Even it's, it's great stuff. That's what we call that. Yeah. So cool. So, All right. Well, thanks again for coming by, buddy. And uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just one second. I can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work. Determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Awesome. Very, very cool. Um, uh, I, and again, thanks to to, to for coming on because uh, 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 he really, really helped us out. Yeah, absolutely. And that was very was cool. Kind of the last kind of thing, and he 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 is awesome. Moving on to second hour stuff. Uh, there's a ton of it, so we're gonna move it a clip. So get your pencils. Bam. Out. 
Um, let's start with Otis Rush. He was a blues guitarist. These are people who died. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. um, good, great guitar player. Yeah. Early days, uh, really important guy. Charles Aznavour died, the the singer. A lot of young people don't remember him, but but Charles Aznavour was kind of the model for things like Pepe Le Pew and all of that kind of stuff. Um, big deal. A big, big deal. Uh, Carlos Esquera, artist and co-creator of Judge Dredd. Yeah, wow. That's big. Yeah. Um, Jeff Emmerich, recording engineer at Abbey Road. Yeah. And uh, recorded a, was a recording engineer on a ton of the Beatles stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Marissa O'Leary, television executive at MGM. Um, fairly young. Will Vinton, who we had mentioned right, previous. Right, we, we talked about on the show. Uh, Juan Romero. He was the busboy who aided Robert Kennedy when he was shot in, right. the, in the hotel right. kitchen. There's a famous picture of him bent, bent down over. Holding him, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was always something that he... I read an article where he was saying that on one hand it, he was like honored to be there, but on the other hand it was, he was, it was something that kind of haunted his life sure. going through. Um, jazz saxophonist Hamiet Blewett, he's fucking awesome. As good as uh, people like uh, Dizzy and Dex and all those other guys. Sure. Just never uh, got the break. Uh, Aubrey Wells, screenwriter for Under the Tuscan Sun. Um, I told you there was a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, Montserrat Cabal. She was an opera singer. And, and people are saying, like, oh, yeah, she did a song with Freddie Mercury from Queen. But, um, yeah, this lady had a giant career. Right. Uh, on the par of... Um, uh, Pavarotti yeah. or Placida Domingo right. or any of that, those guys. Um, Scott Wilson, actor in Walking Dead, he played um, Herschel, the, oh, yeah. the man at the farm. Yeah, he was also in Cold Blood in the Heat of the Night, Ninth Configuration, and he played the smoking doctor in Exorcist Three. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The weird thing is, he was just named him, John Bernthal. Uh, Shane and um, somebody else are actors that have died in Walking Dead that they say are coming back. Oh, wow. Or they were coming back. Right, yeah, And then this guy passed. And then finally, this is a big one, just probably, I'm the only person that cares about this. Film composer Stelvio Cipriani, he did the score to things like A Bay of Blood, the Mario Bava film. He did the score to a ton of Bava films. Did the score to Death Walks on Two Legs, The Night Child, Papaya, Goddess of Love. Like, this guy is a staple of um, Italian genre. Sure. He did the score to Big Alligator River, if you ever saw that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that really bummed me out. Moving on to second hour. Steven Spielberg is remaking West Side Story, and he just cast the kid from Baby Driver. As that, Tony, this is one of those. This uh, you know, we have at least one of these stories every week where it's like, why, why we yeah. don't need it. I don't get this yeah. at all. Yeah, especially because the story it's essentially it, it's it Romeo, is, it's, and it's Juliet Romeo and Juliet in the fifties yeah. and the greasers, and yeah. so you move that to the either you're going to do a greaser thing, right, which is going to seem weird, or you're going to try to update, contemporize it, it yeah. and and I don't uh, just. Yeah, I, I I don't see the point. I, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Spielberg maybe out of nostalgia, I guess. maybe out of nostalgia or or money wise he's looking at 
these musicals are doing so good. They're hot. La La Land and you know stuff yeah. like that. You know, yeah. so. and in essence, wasn't a lot of uh, like Baby Driver right. musical uh, uh, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. yeah they absolutely. weren't singing, but it was all yeah. the music. Um, somewhere there is a four-hour cut of Blade Runner twenty forty-nine, yeah. and there's talk about they're going to drop it on the Blu-ray. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm there. Yeah, I can, I can handle four hours for of that. For a film that's so immersive like that, it's it, as we've talked about before, man. Put it, it on. It's not the first movie, but that's probably even better. Yeah, you know, that it, it's its own thing, and it's great. And, and it's, it's yeah, it's, and it's different. It's this is this is something that you're going to put on. It's like there's a ten hour Esper cut of sure. the, from the first Blade Runner. Yeah, about and all it is is just the sounds inside Deckard's apartment. So you hear like. Spinners going by right. and all this other shit. Yeah. And it's 10 hours. I put that shit on. You put it on while you work. Good. Yeah, now you're, you're there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for some reason, Sony wants a female led 21 Jump Street. Because ah, 22 Jump Street. I don't get it. Doesn't make any sense. No. No. Uh, Moneyball writer, the guy who wrote Moneyball, he says he's working on a George Carlin biopic. The problem I see with that is casting. Right, you know, you'd have to, you, you you can't do, you know, some biopics, people can 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 bring their own thing to it, mm-hmm. and then some people you have to you got you have to imitate these people's spana, yeah. otherwise it's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the best ones I can think of was the uh, uh, the guy that played Ian Curtis in, in yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. the Joy Division film. And sometimes uh, I forget that I'm not watching. Exactly. Curtis. Look yeah. at look at uh, Dustin Hoffman and Lenny. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it can be done. Um, Whereas, you know, and, and, and in contrast to that, Joaquin Phoenix is Johnny Cash. Yeah. He's doing a good job acting, yeah. but you're painfully aware that it's not Johnny Cash. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Which is good, I think. I think him coming out and going and doing a Johnny Cash thing would have been weird. Yeah. And he does a little of it. A but little, anyway. but yeah. D- um, this made me laugh. Danny McGri- McBride says he has an, a sequel idea for the for the Bloomhouse Halloween thing, because he and, and yeah. <laughs> what's his name, David Gordon Green, wrote uh, this thing, and it's doing well. And he's like, I, famous Hollywood thing, right? Right. Yeah, I got other ideas. Yeah. <laughs> sure you do. Um, speaking of Danny McBride, HBO is doing a comedic series with him and John Goodman, and they're going to be televangelists. That actually could be good. Could that be good. could be good. Uh, if it's biting, yes. if it's, you know... Yeah. Poking and fun, and it better be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, especially with someone like I mean, imagine Eastbound and Down as as a televangelist. Right, you right. know, um, Amazon has ordered a Wheel of Time drama. Wheel of Time being a book series for kids, uh, written by maybe not kids, fantasy mm-hmm. Robert Jordan and Branded Sanderson. It's yeah. one of those iconic things that kids read in high school. And you know, these things are weird because uh, a lot of times, you know, I like. Like, I remember when the Golden Compass came out. Mm-hmm. You know, the classic Golden... I never read that as a kid. I didn't. I had never heard of it. Before. Yeah, Wrinkle in Time. Yeah, Wrinkle my in wife time. and my son were like, oh my God, Wrinkle in Time. I'm like, I never had to read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a toss-up, right? It, like, is the fan base there? Mm-hmm. Are they going to go? They can be mistaken. Look what happened to Narnia. Look what happened to the Golden Compass. Right, exactly. It just yeah. died. Um, speaking of Amazon, they're showing an X-rated cut of RoboCop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So get that while you yeah. can. If you have a Prime thing, That's go check that cool. out. Yeah. Um, article I read this week said that most of the hate for Last Jedi you read online were from Russian bots. 
Yeah. Yeah, they were just like just sucking the air out that of the whole That kind of brings up that this this thing with um, uh, between the stars born, a stars born, and Venom. Uh, the fandom base the f- is getting cr- crazy. And what what you'll see is you'll see thousands of the exact same tweet. So people are just cutting and pasting, or or it's a bot. It's a bot. Yeah. Uh, but how how shitty is it that like stuff like this can affect how a movie's going to do? Yeah. Uh, well, because it, it speaks to the I think the gullibility of the internet population exactly. and yeah. the fact that nobody fact checks shit on the internet right. anymore. Yeah. Hey, I read it. It must be good. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this is weird. If Zack Snyder was going to do the Justice League sequel, his plan was to kill the bat. Yeah. I, I, I guess. I don't know. I, it just doesn't seem like any kind of a good idea. Uh, well, but that's not happening. But that's not happening. Yeah, because he's not... Yeah. <laughs> I'm awful here. Because luckily his daughter <laughs> killed herself. But, um, yeah. That's a horrible idea. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, Netflix is planning a series of Narnia films. Yeah. Um, Fucking Netflix, right? Yeah. Netflix. Just pumping stuff I'm seeing Malevolent as a movie that we looked at. I looked at for trailers last week. Out yeah. on Netflix. It's crazy. Speaking of Netflix, I just saw put up four seasons of Monty Python, the original Monty yeah. Python, and it's really That's good. Cool. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. been my go-to late night yeah. going to sleep thing. <laughs> um, Chelsea Peretti is leaving Brooklyn Nine Nine. She's one of the actresses on right. there. She plays Gina on there. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. And you think, why would you leave a successful show like that, one that was canceled and picked up by NBC, and then you remember? Chelsea Pretty is married to Jordan Peele. Yeah. I ain't working anymore. Yeah, there's there's so much <laughs> shit coming. I'm gonna, yeah. There's a sack of Twilight Zone yeah. money over here <laughs> that I could use. Yeah. Yeah, kind of wild. Uh, Cinemax canceled Robert Kirkman of Walking Dead. He had a show called Outcast. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, this seems like a joke, but Lilo and Stitch is getting a live action remake. Uh, okay. Sure. We, we, whatever. Yeah. Sure. I, you know, you're talking about Cinemax. I didn't even realize that they were still a yeah a, a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, th- uh, so I guess Tina Turner is doing a musical coming to Broadway in 2019 called Tina, and that's pretty cool. But I also read that when she was married to Ike Turner, Ike gave her a kidney. Wow. wow! Wow! I know, right? And wow. then you think, because in you know all the indication, Ike Turner, he, he used to beat her up and all that stuff, right. which makes him reprehensible. But then right. you go, but he gave her a kidney. It's like, hey, I gave you a kidney, so I get this black <laughs> eye. Okay. I was at I, I was at Comic Con in San Diego once, and I was standing there, and I just smelled like this this ab- a- abuse of cologne. And I turned around, <laughs> and it was Ike Turner standing there with these two girls that, wow, they yeah. were something else. And, uh, yeah, shook his hand, yeah. and it was very cool. Meeting Ike Turner was cool. Um, John Favreau is in talks, uh, talked about his new Star Wars series for Disney streaming. It's now called The Mandalorian, and um, it's set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. So that sounds like between episodes three and four, like, maybe? Um, maybe. Something yeah. like that, maybe even before episode one. I don't know. I don't. Who knows? Um, interestingly, um, Taika, Waititi, Taika Waititi and Bryce Dallas Howard have been signed to direct huh. episodes. Okay. 
Sure hope that Disney streaming thing works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, John Stewart um, from The Daily Show is directing his second film called Irresistible. I uh, didn't see his first movie, but from all accounts, it was it was good. Yeah, it, it was a was a little Rose drama, Bonner. and yeah, about the um, Arabic newscaster that was like John Stewart, and he got right exactly. So. Yeah, uh, Brian Singer is doing um, Red Sonia, and I thought he they they took away. His I thought card. he was gone. Yeah, yeah I took, thought they took away his card. Um, I and it doesn't make. Any sense given his filmography to give no. him a sword and sandal no. movie? No, it doesn't. So there you go. Uh, another live action movie coming: Mega Man, the video game. Uh, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, in December, coming to Blu-ray: Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, cool. That's kind of cool. Probably That's a cool. lot of extras, and I'm sure maybe our pal Heather Buckley might have had might, something, might to, do have had something to do with that. Yeah. Saw a trailer this week, which I didn't include in the trailers we're going to talk about in a minute, but called of a film called Clownado. <laughs> and <laughs> holy oh my shit, God. dude! Of course, there's a movie first called Clownado. First of all, it's, all, it's very, very much digital. Right. Video. Right, right, right. There's lots of effects, lots of practical effects, um, and it's this who's who of him, them hiring actresses from different, a lot of porn actresses. And right. I think I saw jo um, Gene Silver in there and a couple of other, like, classic um, days of big bush porn actresses that are right. now doing horror films because I guess the genre con convention young filmmakers or I, something? I don't know. I don't know. But... It was hilarious. First lo picture of Lobo from this Krypton thing that Sci-Fi is doing. Yeah, and he, it looks this guy looks ridiculous. Yeah, he looks like a he's he's you know he's he's a reject from Sons of Sons of Anarchy with makeup. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He looks like 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 someone from the Sons of Anarchy was cosplaying a crow or right, Rob right, right. Zombie yeah. or something. It, uh, anyway. Netflix has picked up two comics properties, Gerard Way's The Umbrella Academy and Steve Niles' October Faction. And it sounds like both of those books kind of doubled down on that Riverdale, Sabrina, sure. Young, you know. Right, 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 right. That kind of thing. Um, Margot Robbie, who's the Harley Quinn, and she yep. was in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. She's in talks to play Barbie. Oh, my God. Okay. A Barbie movie. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know. Richard Drivers says he would be okay with them, I'm doing air quotes, episode one-ing, or episode four-ing, um, Jaws. Jaws with a CG shark. No. No. Because <laughs> Richard Drivers is like, because that well's drying up, and we need no, to no, tap no, it no. again. It's a horrible idea. It's a horrible idea. Uh, Michelle Williams was cast as Krista McAuliffe for a bio. Okay. Michelle Williams, uh, she was in a relationship with Heath Ledger. She was in Dawson's Creek, I want to say, right, or something. Right, right, right. Uh, and then there's, uh, finally, there's a, this video out on YouTube called Wu-Tang in Space Eating Impossible Sliders. And um, it's the most bizarre eight minutes you'll spend. Imagine Star Trek, that where the number like, Picard and Riker were Ghostface, Killa, and Jizza, <laughs> and the the ship's on board computer is Rizza, uh -huh. and it's 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 the weirdest thing in the world, and it seems to be an ongoing series. Oh, okay. 
All right. And I'm in. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I'm going to get to that in a second, but um, I'll get to it now. Ghostface Killer has a new record out called The Lost Tapes. And it's and I'm not a hip-hop fan, but it's really, really good. Moving on to trailers. Aquaman. More plot, more action. It's a five-minute long It's a long trailer. Um, and uh, the one thing that I'll say, the, the one positive thing that I'll say, because... You know, it's a comic book movie, I don't care, but it looks like DC is finally, finally maybe get a maybe getting a handle on how to handle humor. Yeah. Um and, and it in mm-hmm. the same way that Marvel does. And so that's good. Yeah. I, I, I that's something that they've been missing and, and, and not quite getting. Um as far as the the stuff it looks like every other, you know. One thing I thought of is the environments. The CG environments were cool. Yeah. They're very lush and full of things f- moving around and what have you. Um, I'm, you know, sure. I'm kind of in. The way I said about it when I walked away from the trailer, I just turned to my wife and I just go, "Aqua dude." Yeah, it's basically yeah. Because it's kind of aqua dude. Yeah. Which which I think works for him because he's he's a surfer dude. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like and, it, and Aquaman being a surfer dude makes total sense. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Next up, um, a film called Change in the Air. Uh, I'm going to say a woman has an effect on people in in this neighborhood. I'm going to go and uh, extrapolate from what I saw and say she's a muse or something. Something. Um, at, at one point, you kind of wonder if it's a sixth sense. Thing where she's she's dead, which mm. is a ghost. Um, she seems to have some kind of connection to uh, at least one dead person mm-hmm. um, it, it, that, that you get from the trailer. But basically, this entire neighborhood, particularly of elderly people, are kind of taken with this new girl who moved in next mm-hmm. door, and are and gain this sort of renewed. Vigor in their right. lives. Kind of reminds me of Cocoon. Kind of. A, a, a in a bit. weird way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, it looks, that looks fine. Yeah. Um, not going to rush out and see it, but there you go. Uh, Netflix dropped a trailer for The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Um, I describe this as Twilight meets Buffy meets Riverdale meets X-Files. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a good... I think that that's a good... To me, it's kind of like... Okay, so we've got these kind of... I call it the CW uh, uh, effect, mm-hmm. where you're doing these these movies with these good-looking young people. Nothing ever is really too heavy, and I, and I include it, even though they, they may not be CW, but I include Charmed in there. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of this stuff. Got it rebooting Charmed, and and oh jeez, and <laughs> this kind of looks like okay, we're gonna do that, but. We're go- we're gonna turn the dial to darker just a little bit, yeah. And maybe now it's kind of more like a cross between True Blood and mm-hmm. Buffy. It's kind of you know yeah. it it, can- it has that feel. So horror fans might want to take a look at it because it it, it seems darker. It's it's not. It, it's so weird to me to think that this spawned from like Bewitched originally. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the idea of adding a witch to Archie in general was at the time was like right. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember parents having an issue with it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of all of that, again, Netflix, uh, The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. This looks like a cake decorating show, but Brian Henson Muppets are all over it. Yeah, this, um, 
it's really odd. It's really odd. Really odd. Really cool. Like, mm-hmm. I, like you know, uh, people who listen to our show n- know that we like puppets. Yeah. And uh, and storytelling told through proxy. And and this is full of that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. This looks great. Well, the idea is that she's making these confections to feed these monsters. <laughs> right, is, exactly. And then the monsters, like... And she's not fucking around. Like, I saw there was a spider thing she did. Yeah. And it was cool. Yeah. So, I'm in. Yeah, this I'm, is... This is like, if you're a goth housekeeper or baker or something, this yeah. is... My wife is so going to love this yeah, thing. This, yeah, this looks cool. Um, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley star as Holmes and Watson. Uh, <laughs> Essentially, it's stepbrothers, right? It is. It's stepbrothers with, you know, clothes from, you know... <laughs> 19th Victorian. century England. Yeah, it's like, I, it's whatever. It's super silly. It's super silly. Will not go see this in the theater. No. But if it's on HBO, yeah, probably. Uh, particularly Netflix. if you're stoned. Yeah, and sure. <laughs> it's really, it's those that kind of like so dumb it's funny yeah. kind of humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah it looks fun. Uh, next up, an animated movie called MFKZ starring um, the RZA, Michael Chiklis, Danny Trejo, this kind of came out of nowhere. It's cool. The thing that makes me interested is it's from, it's from the people who did uh, an animated film in Japan called Tekon Concrete. Yeah. And um, super psychedelic, super weird. And super this looks weird, like more of the same. Uh, a neat combination of uh, 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 anime and American sensibilities, mm-hmm. it, which is which is you don't see a lot. Um, usually, you know, I, I, one of the a lot of the people that I talk to um, have a problem with anime just because it's so alien to them. Right. And this seems like it bridges the gap. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. And it just is great because, you know, like, whether you're a hip-hop fan or not, like, the RZA doesn't get involved in shit. Right. You know? Um, he was he was heavily involved in like whether, whatever you thought of the man with the iron fist. Right, right, right. Yeah. He knows his stuff. I've heard him interviewed and that someone was like trying to stump him on old Shaw Brothers, Shaw Brothers stuff. stuff, yeah. Forget it. Yeah. Forget well, there's it. a reason why they're the Wu-Tang Clan, you <laughs> know, right? Like <laughs> 36 Chambers, yep. right? Uh, up next, speaking of bio, bio on Elton John called Rocket Man. This actually looks good. You, it, Tom <laughs> disagrees. This looks ho- I, I hate it every time. I, 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 I think it looks cool. Uh, I like that... Um, so, uh, who's the kid that Taron Egerton. He was in Kingsman. Kingsman. He's yeah, in this yeah, yeah. new Jamie Foxx. I, I tell you, I, I tell you what. I am more excited about this than I am Bohemian Rhapsody. Are you, see, are you yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just I, exactly. I, the I see them. I see them as the same animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I probably because I care more about Elton John's early career than I do. Oh, really? Kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, all those. This songs. is going to make people crazy. Yeah. When I was growing up, there were certain bands. Elton John, Cat Stevens. That was one of those things you just went, nah, girls like those. And I never got into them. It wasn't until way later yeah. that I started to hear Man, that, that early Elton John. Man. Yeah. It's good. Cat, it's my wife's a big fan. There's dark fan. shit there. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but this this looks fine. I do like the, the bit where he's playing and everyone in the crowd lifts up off the ground. Yeah. It's like, that's such a great metaphor that's for what music does to you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I'll see it, but... For some reason, I'm a little more into the Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Up next, animated Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Important because it's it's it introduces Milo Morales into the Spider-Verse. Right. And it's got uh, John comedian John Mulaney as Spider Ham or Spider Pig or whatever. <laughs> Which is well, funny. The idea being is that there's all these different um, uh, uh, dimensions, mm-hmm. and and there's Spider-Man or a variation of Spider-Man and all these different things, and somehow they've all been Landed thrown together, here, yeah. yeah, and and so not only are they trying to fix whatever the, the the bad guy is doing, but they're also trying to get to their get to their respective um, universes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, it looks cool. It looks fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, story-wise, DC and Marvel animation have got it nailed. Yeah. They're they're doing what they do very very well. Animation-wise, it reminds me of the Boondocks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, up next, a film called Tiger. Mickey Rourke uh, is in it. It's about an Indian boxer um, who the boxing commission, in order for him to compete, he has to shave his beard. True story. Yeah, true yeah, story. True story. Uh, Mickey Rourke looks like he got hit by a truck, but the film looks great. So, yeah, yeah, this looks fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the act, the main actor, looks so rock solid. And it addresses that that question, you know, that it, that at some point people have to face, and it's like. You know, in this case, why do you want to box? And that's not the question. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to fight? Yeah, there's a difference, and yeah. and and this addresses that. I, I I'm hesitating, but fuck it. Um, next week, <laughs> there's a trailer that we're going to talk about. Yeah, called Fight World. It's a, a Netflix thing, and it's uh, Frank Grillo going around the world, getting. It's kind of like remember. Ultimate Warrior, what it was called. Right, and you would go and you'd, you'd spend a week training with these guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Sounds like the, that's what okay, it is. Okay. And it looks, it looks really, really, really good. Cool. Up next, uh, the um, a remake uh, with Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart um, of a movie called The Upside. It's about a paraplegic quadriplegic who hires a, a, a white guy, very, very rich, hires a young black guy who isn't any of those things and they sort of learn and become friends right yeah Yeah. this looks great Um, yeah it looks fantastic Um, an important part of it is that the the guy who gets hired to do this caretaking really has no experience Mm -hmm. Um, so there's there's all these different learning curves that are happening Mm -hmm. relationship wise and, and how to deal with somebody from different classes and races. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It looks... It, yeah, it does. It looks the original good. was great. Yeah. I saw the original and, and this is... This looks solid. Yeah. Uh, up next, speaking of solid, a uh, movie called Vice. Christian Bale is Dick Cheney. Yeah. Unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh, looks like Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Dick Cheney. Yeah, and, and he put on a bunch of weight. Sam Rockwell is um, George W. Bush. Yep. And which is crazy, which I know. <laughs> but he nails it. Yeah, he totally nails it. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I'm interested just to see it for these performances. I really don't care about the story because um, I saw it down the news every yeah, night. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm just curious how how much are they going to you know? Yeah, yeah. Where where is their thumb on the scale? Is it right. super like? Dick wasn't such a bad guy. How how American Sniper is this going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Then uh, finally, uh, a wacky comedy called Wobble Palace. Very odd, very funky. I'm trying to remember it now. Okay, 
Wobble Palace. Palace. Uh, uh, it's like this girl. She's living in a in a in a, in a apartment complex kind of a thing, and she lives there with a lot of different people, and they're all very very kooky. Yeah. It looks good. You don't remember any of this. I don't so remember. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, it looks fine. Uh, I, I, it, it's on there mostly. Um, it just was different, and the the way the guy shot it was different, and so I threw it on. The so list. kind of, kind of one of those. Um, uh, 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 I don't know why, but whenever you describe it, I wish I could remember it. Um, whenever you describe it, um, it makes me think of like, um, uh, 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 what was the the. The, the movie with the, the everybody's going around in a taxi uh, late one night. It, different characters are floating in and out, and you're seeing all these different oddballs. Sure. Kind, kind of, of slacker. Kind of, yeah. I have no idea what it's about, but it's just about this. The voiceover is talking about, you know, this these are some of the things that happened to me during my time at Wobble Palace. And so. Okay. So uh, very quirky. Yeah. Funky. Yeah. Weird. Four films. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what have you been watching? Uh, nothing. I've been I've been either uh, working, sleeping, or working on Bleeding Ham. That's pretty much it. And then I was gone the weekend for for Lovecraft, the Lovecraft yeah, Festival yeah. down in Portland, which was amazing. I, I it's I've lived up here twelve years and I've never been, and it was that theater, dude. Mm. That if if you ever get a chance to go to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland. Go just to experience the Hollywood theater. It is amazing. Hmm. It is nuts, and I, I I won't go into all the reasons why, but it's. I'm just telling you, you got to go to that theater. Right on. It's so cool. I, on the other hand, have um, been sort of loosely doing this 30 days of Halloween. Right. Uh, but before I get to those, Joe Rogan Strange Times special on Netflix. It's okay. Yeah. It's not. It's not talking monkeys. It's not trigger or any other stuff that he was doing. Um, this is Joe playing to his base. Sure. Um, Netflix movie called Terrifier. It's a sequel, I guess, to a killer clown movie mm-hmm. shot on high def TV. Some interesting special effects, practical effects, but mm-hmm. this is pure torture porn. Women are introduced solely to be killed, sure. and it's really annoying. Um, now we hit the stride of deep shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched my wife and I sat and watched a, a four the 4K of Night of the Living Dead, and it's beautiful. Yeah, future guest John Scalari is at the showing in Pittsburgh this weekend. Right now, yeah, he was he's, yeah. he's he's posting on his Facebook page things like you know pictures of his feet on the red carpet. Yeah. And this is very cool. Uh, my wife had never seen Return of the Living Dead. Really? So we sat and watched it and, oh. and had a great time. Return of the Living Dead is one of those movies that like if you were a, 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 like a serious horror fan mm-hmm. it's, I could see how it would have m- missed you at the time. Yeah. Because it, it was silly, right? You weren't going to watch it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite quote unquote zombie movies. Mm-hmm. It, it has my favorite zombie of all time in it. Which one? Oh, the 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 m- one on the table. M- m- well, oh, oh, dude. The one on the table yeah, is. Awesome. She is fantastic. Yeah. I'm just thinking about uh, Mud Man. Oh yeah, yeah Tar yeah, Man. Yeah. Tar Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I sat and watched. I I started it because I wanted to capture a mood, and I ended up watching all of Val Luton's I Walked with a Zombie. Oh, and dude. it was fucking amazing. Um, and then I watched for unknown why I just threw it on the Beatles Help. 
Wow. And it was weird. Very dated and kind of so racist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so racist. Yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of that stuff. like when you, you shrug a lot. When you, know. you, when you introduce the villain, he's always like some stereotype of like... Some Russian guy or some Indian guy yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, they were all Indian. Yeah. And it was pretty offensive. Um, by the way, um, I was just going to say Val Luton. Um, for people who aren't familiar with this stuff, there is a, an amazing documentary yes. um, that everybody should see. I, I want to call it Shadows and Light. Shadows. Yeah, something Luton like that. Shadows anyway, and Light. Just look up Val Luton Shadows. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll take you there. And if you haven't seen Walk with the Zombie, or I was just talking to upcoming guest John Dodds about this, and we were talking about I Walk with the Zombie, and I told him my two favorite Val Luton films are that and Isle of the Dead. Yeah. And so I might have to watch Isle of the Dead tonight. Yeah. Um, then I watched Curse of the Werewolf with Oliver Reed. Yeah, you <laughs> it did, was awesome. because it's amazing. Awesome. And then last night I watched uh, The Ghost in Mr. Chicken, Yeah, <laughs> and it was awesome. At the end of the movie, I, I realized this is a Scooby-Doo episode. It's totally a Scooby-Doo <laughs> episode. Somewhere there's no ghost, there's no nothing. It makes me wonder if Scooby-Doo saw it. Saw it, yeah, because I don't know which came first. Yeah. Yeah. I have to assume the Ghost of Mr. I Chicken think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Don Knotts, so good. And as you watch that movie, just in the crowd, just character actor. Yeah. You know, for after days. one after another. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, that was, you know, uh, 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 Perennials at Our House. Mm -hmm. It was like the Ten Commandments, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. The Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Yeah. And Hush Hush Sweet yeah, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. those were. I'm gun to head. I don't know which which would be my favorite, Ghost of Mr. Chicken or the Incredible Mr. Olympic. I really uh, I think the Ghost. I, I yeah. for me it's Ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other one's great. And then I saw a couple things from TV. Number one, back in the day, they did a color special called Halloween with the Adams Family. It's awful, and it's horrible. Yeah. Horrible, just embarrassingly bad. It's like the Adams Family version of the Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that. If you've ever seen the Munsters color thing they did right. with the, uh, yeah, awful. Yeah. And then I watched. Uh, I'm in the middle of watching. Um, at some point, they did a Batman series called Beware the Bat. It's all computer computer generated animation. Uh huh. But the stories are really, really good. And I just think, like, why did this only get one season, mm -hmm. you know? But there you go. Um, what are you reading? Uh, nothing. Yeah, I've been s working, sleeping, and working <laughs> on bleeding. <laughs> yeah, I'm still reading Geek Love, and it's it's hard because um, I'm s I've taken to reading it literally a paragraph at a time. Although I did pick up at the convention something I'm excited to dig into, and it's a collection of short stories. Um... It's, they're all Weird West stories. Oh, cool. Um, and it's from, from Chaosium, who, you know, has mm. a million Lovecraft-themed sure. shows. Saw Richard Stanley do some readings. Nice. Which was very cool. Didn't get to talk to him. That's right. Um, but uh, uh, I'm excited to, to see what he does with Color Out of Space. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, what else? Are you listening to anything? Uh, no. <laughs> I got a ton of stuff. Let's go with John Batiste. Keyboard player for Stephen Colbert has a record out, and yep. it's, it's really good. Um, Daniel Musi and Victor Poza, Segundo Soul, is this giant record. It's got like three or four discs on it, and it's it's great. 
Aurora, Infections of a Different Mind, Villagers, The Art of Pretending to Swim, all great. Joe Bonamassa, if you know Joe Bonamassa, the blues I guitar player. I think everybody knows who Joe Bonamassa is. New record called Redemption, and it's solid soundtrack to Joan Jett's Bad Reputation. Has some great stuff. Weird cool. stuff like her doing Smells Like Teen Spirit and weird cover songs. Uh, Trevor Horn did a score for an anime called The Reflection. Um, that's great. Uh, I'm going to come back to that in a second. Uh, David Ruffin, lead singer for The Temptations, has a record out now called The Unreleased Album, and it's great. It's it's David Ruffin, and it's Vintage Soul. Ghost, I talked about Ghostface Killer. Listen to an album called It's About Time by Nile Rodgers and Chic that yeah. you talked about last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's like... It's straight up disco. Dude, if you... If, if, if that's your jam... Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like nothing changed. <laughs> it, I, like, literally, it's like it's, it almost, almost to the point where it sounds like somebody's doing a parody of yeah. Dis- you know what I mean? It's got it's like, the video is is it's like these I two very the attractive women and Nile Rodgers in a purple suit and he and he just looks old. He's um, had a lot of health problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's vintage. It's that scratchy, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of guitar. Very cool. What what kills me are the voices. The voices <laughs> are like they're just out of you know. Yeah. If you remember, La Freak, Sushi, all that stuff. Else, it's right there. Uh, and then I found this record by a guy, R I T O N, Wrighton and Kahlo, K A H dash L O. The record is called Foreign Arroyo. And it's really weird. It's 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 electronic pop that there's a song called something about repeat, but it loops the entire song loops, and every time it loops, they supplement the orchestration, and it's very very cool. Not something I thought when I put it on. Within seconds, I go, I'm gonna hate this. But by the end of the record, I liked it. Cool. Here's the things I did hate this week. Steve Perry traces. This new record by Steve Perry right. is fucking abysmal. It's like he doubled down. It's like instead of reinventing himself, like I said to my wife, if this guy did a Robbie Neville mm-hmm. kind of soul mm-hmm. record, right? But he's still got the voice. Yeah, yeah this is just O'Sherry too. Yeah, and it's terrible. Um, Marsha Ambrosius is a record called Nyla. It's standard soul stuff. Rock band called All Them Witches. All them witches. Fucking terrible. Uh, new Yellow Jackets called Raising Our Voice sounds exactly like old jazz, you know, 80s, 90s, jazz fusion, quiet storm kind of stuff. Right. And the one that really Hiroshima. broke... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The one that really broke my heart is Loretta Lynn has a new record out called Wouldn't It Be Great? And it's just misguided. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's like the John Prine record I talked about a few weeks ago right. about how it's just like, when I die, like every song talks about when I die, it's yeah. like, Mm, Um, I will say that uh, coming up (coughs) for all you uh, Rush fans out there because I know there's (laughs) at least one of you um, they're coming up with a 40 uh, anniversary edition uh, 40 year anniversary edition of Hemispheres Hemispheres is really cool it it has amazing songs on it it's the last of their prog rock records Like, like Permanent Waves had like a prog song or two on it but uh, Hemispheres is the last of the big concept albums. And uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, according to Alex Lifeson, one of the hardest albums they ever 
did wow. as far as like musically and trying to, to produce what they were trying to do. Well, it's like that. that I sent you that that, that video. Yes. Uh, there's this series that this guy did where it's it's in this case it was Alex Lifeson of Rush. And they have a guitar that's locked down in a frame that it like you can't move it, and he has to just reach around. and And they the camera zeroes in on his left hand, and he walks you through how to play things like Limelight, Tom Sawyer. Yeah, and it's it's one of the best like how do you play this? And well, it's let's go to the it's guy. It's not even like it's not even like the you know the the big rhythm chords that you know everybody that is the tune you know that makes uh-huh. up the song. It's the solo. It's everything you play. Yeah, it's like whoa. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's a deep dive, and the thing that gets you is is like I got, as a guitar player, I look at it, and I go, none of this is really hard, but it's it's you never you never dally. It's like here's this bit, and we move on, and right. here's this bit, well, and we move on. It, the thing about it that that amazes me, and I'm not a guitar player, but the thing about it that amazes me is like when you hear when when you hear the song broken down like that, yeah, you can hear like okay, this note. And in your head, you're almost going, oh, and that'll go into this yeah, one. Yeah. And it doesn't. He takes it, whoo, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah, makes yeah, these yeah. unusual choices. Yeah. And and it comes out... Sounding great. Sounding and maybe great. that, we talked before about how much sound these guys can produce. And right. maybe that's sort of a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. That's part of it. So, right on. Uh, I think we're good. Thanks yeah. again to... Uh, Webster uh, Callcord for, for, for saving our butts. Yeah, and for coming on and being... There, there, all that previous stuff, you know, it's again. It, if we do, if we can make anything happen, it's it's let's look at things that you see scroll by, and let's talk to one of those guys because yeah. they've got great stories, and it's and they're all artists in their own right. Right. So that's cool. So uh, please go to our Facebook page. Please go to our Patreon page. Please go to all that stuff. Find me and Langley up on uh, Facebook, and let us know what you want to hear. We got good stuff coming up. So there you go. For the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary. So what? Eat deal.